0: Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast and a welcome back to Mark Champ of War Financial. Mark, it's been a little while since we've spoken and uh, we've got a deluge of news to go through today.
1: We have. There's been a lot going on um, and it's uh, it's going to make for an interesting conversation, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, although we don't like to date stamp podcasts, I appreciate this is out at the start of October. We're recording this on the um, Monday the 26th of September, so it's been a a lot of stuff going on uh, with recent budgets and whatnot. Um, we'll try and give a generic sort of overview. As, as you say, Mark, it's, uh, by the time of recording this and by the time this episode's out, it's probably all changed anyway. It's uh, a lot going on. I, I don't really know where to start. Um, I mean, we could start literally anywhere uh, today stamp duty cuts. Uh, you know our, our new Chancellor of the Exchequer. Uh, you know tax cuts. Uh, yeah, we could start absolutely anywhere. Let's let's do start at the top. Uh, rate increases probably not been increased enough. To be fair, depends on what side of the fence you're falling on. Um, but yeah, the new Chancellor seems to have uh, started off with a plum and uh, massive tax cuts for one biggest in forty fifty years. Uh, how how have you seen the reaction?
1: Um, there has been a reaction, definitely a reaction on the ground. But what I'm concerned about is the fact that there are two different strategies in play by the people who made the rules. So I said I said this on a, a, an Instagram post about, when was it? Over over a week ago, I think. Um, and it was clear that interest rates were coming up. And what, one of the things Liz Trust wanted to do was to uh, make some cuts, so um, it made it easier for everybody. But what I said on that um, Instagram post was the Bank of England's job is to make it more expensive. So it's more expensive to borrow and that will bring down inflation. That's how the economics works and that's the the plan that the Bank of England have had since, well, for a long, long time now, they were going to gradually increase the rates, and it was going to go up incrementally you know in stages like it has done and it's been hard for some people to swallow and that would have reduced the amount of money households can spend and inflation would have been um, affected accordingly to brought the inflation back down in in time that was the the theory anyway but with tax cuts, it gives the average household more money so You've got the Bank of England trying to restrict the amount of money people have in their back pocket, and you've got the government trying to increase it. So, with the energy cap that's come in, you've you've got that. You've got stamp duty holidays. You, you, it's it's counterintuitive. It, it contradicts the two sides are contradicting each other. And um, I can imagine the Bank of England's governor when the budget was announced to them being like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And you can see how the markets have reacted today. They've reacted in such a way that they'd have no confidence. And in times of no confidence, that's when the real problems occur. We saw in 2008 there was no confidence and people started taking their money out of banks and all things like that. And we're in a slightly different position because we have a, uh, a lot stronger... Liquidity position, the risk-weighted assets um, that banks have, i.e., the amount of capital they have to have um, to lend out, uh-huh. is a lot stronger than than it was back then. But the fundamentals are still a. If you've got a, a negative feeling in the market, that's going to cause a bigger impact than anything else. And I think we've got a bigger negative impact or feeling in the market. That we have for since two thousand and eight, right at this moment, and I, I know, in over our conversations over the last year and a bit, whatever it's been, we've been saying, "Oh, just around the corner, there's going to be dark clouds and everything." This is it. The dollar, as you know, is, is one dollar. What was it? Zero three this morning, something like that, um, against the pound, and that's that's not good. I remember going on holiday in going to Disney World when I was younger and it being like $2 to the pound. Not that I was following the, the economy, but <laughs> <or £2. laughs> it, you know, it was, uh, but I, I, I can remember it being a lot more advantageous and you go over there and you spend your money in America and you get things a lot cheaper, but we're going to see the uh, electronics um, prices increase. We're going to see everything. And then I've, I've been thinking about this and sorry just to ramble, but, I've been I've been thinking about this, and there is there are problems. But on the other hand, there's always problems. If, if I just did a quick timeline from 2008, we've had Brexit, COVID, and the Russia Ukraine um, conflicts. Okay. There are three big things that have happened, and if you look at the interest rate it is stable still. It's still pretty stable. And it's it is pretty, It's pretty. very low in comparison to what it has been throughout history. And the Keynes theory always says you've got to have peaks and troughs. Things got to go up, things got to go down. And if you look at the interest rate graph from 1950, you see it slowly go up to 1980. It peaks at around uh, 16%, I think. Then it slows off till 1992, where you see another spike. Then it slows down and starts gradually increasing to 2008. We see the crash. Then since 2008, we have almost a flat line, and it's gone up to, where are we, 2.25%. That's not a lot. The the rates are still low. Even if they go up to 5%, they're still relatively low. The problem we have, though, is people aren't used to it. Uh-huh. And a lot of people, and there's a lot of training courses out there that says to say, borrow as much as you can, borrow, investor finance, borrow from lenders, and then buy a property, do it up, then hold it for rental. That's the that's the model that a lot of people um, suggest. But that's a lot of borrowing, and when rates go up and jump up, and you're used to. Uh, you know, a two percent rate, but it shoots up to five percent, whatever it may be, that's a big thing to swallow when you've borrowed so much. That's where the problem is. And I see there's gonna be a lot of people who have borrowed too much and are gonna be penalized by the increase in rate. Not actually being a high rate, but the increase in the rate is where the problem lies. Because if they borrowed a, a lower amount. And I always tell my customers, don't over-leverage yourself, be sensible, be realistic, rates will go up. That is the problem. When you've borrowed too much and the interest rates have increased, and I think that's what's going to hit people. You're going to see a lot of repossessions. I think there's going to be opportunity for people who have uh, not taken too much gear in on their debt. And I think there's opportunities out there, but it is going to hit the people who have borrowed too much hard that's
0: my that's my <laughs> overview sorry <laughs> uh, 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 that's okay that's what you get where we haven't spoke for a couple of months it all all, all comes out into the open all comes out but, yeah I, I agree i don't have any i don't have any issues with that i think uh, the, the key things i would have noticed um my side from you know recent recent weeks and whatnot is that the with the pound going obviously as you say going down to dollar three at the minimum you know lowest rate in a very very long time um I was looking at the physical metal markets uh on the same day and noticed that the for, for UK people that and again six six of one half a dozen the other, it's okay saying that all oh, you know the gold price increased. Well, it did in terms of pound sterling, but but then again, actually it hasn't increased. It's more that the the pound is you know Big be valued fixed. yeah exactly. exactly so two sides to the fence being dollar in dollar terms exactly the same no change in dollar terms so you know looking at personal balance sheets looking at you know basically beneficial for me happy days and also for you know dollar denominated assets that
1: you know we have
0: good times uh, point being on that that you know it makes things expensive for everyone else you're quite right electronics uh, a lot of things we're going to see, where where the price well, one of those things you know, is the price going up, or is it the fact that the pound is going down? The free the market will work itself out at the end. I don't think what helps predominantly around the world is that the the US dollar remains strong for a multitude of geopolitical reasons. The US dollar remains strong. Uh, I guess we're the only benefit we have, or well, as many benefits, but the biggest benefits I could think that we may or may not have here in the UK. Is that for some reason Europe seems to like shooting itself in the foot repeatedly, and will continue to do so moving forwards. And um, you know, the dollar at some point will more than likely uh, pop down. But yeah, I say it's all a bit of a part of my stretch, all a bit of a shit show uh, at the moment, and it will continue to be moving forward. So I don't think our, our the tone of our conversations, I don't think, are going to. Change too much in the next few months I'd like them no. to but I'm not sure that they will
1: well I just have a, I looked at a, um, a graph with uh, increase versus decrease of GDP in the UK since 1955 and you see it go along and it goes like this it's just like a normal up and down there's not much fluctuation and then it gets to say I think it's 2018 I, I presume it's sort of brexit time. And it, it goes <laughs> like this, and it's it's unbelievable the change in volatility over the last three or four years in comparison to the rest of the you know recent UK economic history. It's it's phenomenal the difference, and I hope it doesn't continue like that because that again is causes problems. It there needs to be stability, and there needs to be everybody singing off the same hymn sheet. Um, and the Bank of England and uh, the government need to to, to get together. Um, I think there's going to be a few people, there I say, looking at um, what Labour are doing and uh, looking for a, maybe a different option.
0: Well, we have a general election in eighteen months, so I guess so. we'll we'll find out. We'll find out then. Uh, thinking just in my head there a second, and something that we've touched upon before with all these different. Policies uh, and whatnot that are coming out that, yeah, okay, fine. You know, on paper, you could argue two and four, we can argue till the cows come home. But the fundamental thing that we have both said on this podcast before is you need to address the supply challenges. So it's okay if you're having your tax cuts, for example, but then you still end up with the same scenario of you're going to have more, you know, more currency, more pound coins or notes chasing, you know, similar or fewer amounts of goods. And of course, that's. That will still increase the price, so I do uh, I do think that you know with the things like tracking and stuff like that, I'm I'm personally I'm for that because it's helping to increase the supply, and that's important in the long run. I appreciate that's not a short term fix, um, but the positives I, I take from the weekend would be you, you know fast tracking. And I, I use that term very loosely. Fast tracking various oil projects, gas projects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because at some point, you know, that will benefit us in the long run. But that's a long run thing, not a short run thing. All of that being said, though, Mark, there were a couple of – let's move more on to sort of property, you know, property-related things. Um, There were changes to stamp duty thresholds as well. I believe the levy – five. Got my numbers correct first time buyers won't pay stamp duty on purchases for the first and twenty-five thousand pounds i think it is yeah um and a couple of others as well uh what, what's been the reaction your side um with potential ha- house buyers? well
1: we we don't do regulated mortgages so owner-occupied mortgages so i couldn't tell you exactly what um the, the only occupiers are going uh, to be doing or not going to be doing. But what I can tell you is I think there's going to be a lot more foreign investment. With the pound being weak and there being no stamp duty for smaller properties, it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, you, you can get Chinese-Americans, whatever nationality coming in and buying up UK property. You get decent yield. So you don't pay stamp duty, and you can get say if you buy something up north, you, you buy an HMO or something, get a six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent yield, whatever it may be. That's not a bad investment on your money. Um, so I, I think that it's going to actually benefit uh, foreign investors quite a lot. Um, so if I was pivoting my business, that's where I would be going. I'd be looking at, at them as a broker and saying how can we which lender can we find to to do that type of deal um because i think there will be quite a few coming over i don't think it will benefit um the the average uh, first-time buyer too much because you money's going to be short still you still got high higher interest rates you've still got high energy prices student loans are a issue there's there's loads of things that prevent people and there's still a limited amount of housing i think you've just brought in another player to the market a bit more uh in the the foreign investors so in essence they could actually bring in more competition than previously um so let's see what happens but i think the the big issue well there's a lot of big issues but (laughs) one issue to consider is also the lenders Mm -hmm. so if you remember back in 2008 pre-2008, we had RBS, Lloyds, Barclays, HSBC, and a few others that lend money to the uh, property investors. Then from 2011, shall we say, the challenger banks said, right, we're going to do things different. We're going to lend people money and it's going to be done on an automated system. It's going to be quick. It's going to be not... Um, this archaic way of going into your bank manager and uh, having to give you inside leg measurement to, to get a, any type of loan. What we see today is the challenger banks struggling to handle demand. And we have seen uh, SLAs that are way and above anything that I would have ever expected to Get a loan through with a challenger bank from initial application to getting an IMO, so an indicative mortgage offer, uh-huh. then instructing the valuation, then the, the, the legals it will take you a long time. It will take you longer than it's ever taken. You, you look at um, people like Interbay, they've increased their minimum loan size to a million. Um, you look at other lenders who have increased their rates – Dramatically, and I think some of them have done it to slow down the amount of uh, customers coming in because they can't handle them. the The, the actual applications that the challenger banks are getting in is massive in comparison, and it's generally because people want to secure their interest rate now, as opposed to a year down the line when we'll probably see interest rates higher. So they can't cope with it, and the. The actual lead times for a challenger bank are the same as the high street now. There's there's no real difference. They do do other things like the automated valuation methods and things like that, which tend to speed things up. But then all the rest of the process slows everything down. So we had this new way of banking come in with the challenger banks, but they I, I think they 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 were underprepared for the, these these um, problems we've had, and it's causing. Massive problems to to lenders getting deals over the line, um, and customers are are having to to do things they don't want to do. So we we've had to one of our customers we've had to bridge the lending process for them. So they want to buy something, and they've got to take a bridge out whilst the lending process goes on with a a long term lender. Wow, that's bad. Yeah, so it's not not something we want to do. But they, they've got a complete on a property and they, they've got a Bridget. Um, another one of my customers, we've, we've got a, it's a semi-commercial property. And we've got, I think it's about 70% of it's commercial, 30% it's residential. So we've gone to the market to find a lender. And as I've spoken to a lot of lenders about it, I found one lender who can do it. And it's an experienced investor. It's uh, a decent location. It's predominantly commercial. But there's a little quirk in that there's a trust behind it. Mm-hmm. But anything that's got a little quirk in it knocks it out from a lot of the lenders. So we're left with one lender who can lend on that. And I, I, that can't be right. I, I just don't see that as the right right way it should be, especially with this increase in, in lenders over the last um, whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, um, they've all jumped on the buy-to-let and the bridging bandwagon, even though some have now jumped off the buy-to-let bandwagon because the pricing is too high. Um, but even that, we've got another customer who we were doing a deal for and their rate was something like 3% on a five-year fix. In the time it's taken to get a bit of documentation, which has taken a long time for one reason or another, nobody's fault, but uh, and definitely not the lender's fault. The the rate has jumped up to five percent, so there's a two percent increase, and that that you can't predict that at the start of a deal. So it's a it's a refurbished deal, bought a house, converting it into whatever, um, started the project say eighteen months ago, done done all the numbers. You've got a stress test that lenders will put on it, but that is a big jump even within the process. Okay. And lenders lenders give warning; they say, you know, um, our rates are going to be going up at this point unless it's at this particular stage of the process. But a lot of the time, customers won't be able to get it to that stage of the process to to um, prevent rates going up. So the actual packaging of a case and doing it properly. Is probably more important than ever now. And sorry, again, I'm going on. We, we've we've um, we've helped another one of our customers because we had a uh, we had them come to us with a, a property because the lender who they were using had used a valuer who had given their property a nil value, and that was given a nil value because they thought that there was no rental demand in the area, which is a, a crazy thing to say because half the properties on that particular street are owner-occupied, half are rental. But they gave a nil value, and 99 times out of 100, you will not change a value as mine. It's not worth their PI cover. So they came to us and said, what can you do? I said, well, let's have a a look at uh, automated valuations, because with an automated valuation, you don't have a value going out. It's a computer-generated system that creates the, the, the value. And it actually came in higher than what the customer was expecting the value to be. So he's then transferred another six, I think, properties over to us to do using the AVM. So having a good broker, I'm not saying that just because we did it, but having a good broker who knows knows the, not not the tricks, but the, the ways of being able to get things through and packaging it correctly so there's nothing missing in the pack. Because if there is missing in, something missing in the pack, a lender will come to you and say, we're missing this, then the SLA starts again, and the SLA being the, the time period. So it's going to cause massive delays. So I think it's more than ever, you, people should be looking to the professionals to help them get these deals through because the,
0: the environment that we're working in at the moment will trip people up very easily just a note on on avms uh actually reminds me um, of a recent experience there's a podcast that I will, uh, that I'll do uh, in a few weeks uh, cause we had a we had that situation recently where where basically it, it turned out wonderfully because it turned out it's true money and money you know, we got paid by property, which you know it's one of those things that you hear people talk about um until it actually happens you think you know but it actually happened we got paid uh, you know a, well, yeah, we got paid to buy a house. Wonderful. That's what I like. And then that was down to the AVM. Uh, exact same thing. Okay. And it's everything you've just said. You know, a lot of issues with, and I won't name the bank, but a lot of issues with said challenger bank to start off with very slow, you know, service level agreements, SLAs for people that are wondering what they were, very slow with that, you know, querying, well, how have you bought it in the first place? When did you buy it? How have you got it for solo? low? Uh, for the original purchase price, you know, uh, why do you think it's worth this now? What works have you done? What's your inside leg measurement? Mother's maiden name? Do you have a cat? Uh, anything you could think of? And that was it. So again, you know, working along that process, and you get the usual. You know, what do you think this this property's worth? It was, I put down an amount that I thought it was worth, and yeah, they came out of an AVM that was uh, substantially higher, over ten. 10, 15% higher than I put down on the paperwork. And I was, you know, quite decent with my old knowledge of the area, comparables and whatnot. And they've come in with a much higher valuation. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I'm not going to complain if you're going to do that. And then from that point, actually, the process was quite speedy, no issues at all. But you're right, getting to that process, getting to that stage in in the first place is absolutely, it can be an absolute nightmare even if you are really well prepared it's to me there always still seems to feel i feel like there always still seems to be sorry just that extra question a couple of extra questions here i was like oh now the sla's reset itself again it's like oh now and going back to what we were saying with everything that you've said that this is going to continue you know interest rates for the time being are only going to go one way In my opinion, so everything we spoke about today, it's going to be an ongoing. Certainly for the next twelve months, in my opinion, it's going to be an ongoing thing. Is that a sentiment that you would agree with?
1: Yeah, um, analysts are saying base rate will be up at five percent in not too distant future. I I, I can't. The lenders are factoring it in anyway, um, and they have been because of the, the where the swap rates have been, but the it's only going to go up because if if you're looking at a um a five year fix for a a property investment property you know a specialist property investment, you won't get anything cheaper than you know five percent that's where it's about and if you think this time last year there were probably about three were they something like that, just under three we were doing um you know you look at the likes of Lambay and Lend Invest, for instance. Lend Invest, their their SLAs are really good at the moment, but I, I'm not surprised because their rates have gone up so much. And it's you know it's not their fault their rates have gone up. The the rates have gone up because the um the actual money that they buy in has gone up. So they can't do anything about it. But their USP was cheaper rates. Um you've seen the bridging lenders who have a lot of them lost their funding. Um, some of the American fund have pulled out. Uh, and I did a, um, a, a YouTube video with, with um, the co-founder of Avermore Capital, who I know very well, really nice guy. And we had a good discussion about, we, we, it started about how to set up a bridging lender. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we went on to funding and all things like that. And then it, we started talking about the the market. And it, it was really interesting and hearing the 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 mechanics of buying in money when you're a bridging lender and the different funding streams. Because you, there's a lot of bridges out there, but Shawbrooks fund ahead of a lot of those bridging lenders. So people really don't realise that that there is I, don't, I think somebody something is around thirty that they they fund they. There could be more, could be less. Um, but that's quite a, a big proportion of the market. You have to also think with the, the problems we've got in the UK, there are, they're gonna, people are going to be worried about it. We've seen the dollar weaken. So we'll probably see people um, who are funded in the UK more nervous about what's going on in the UK. So these bridging lenders will probably have increased finance costs. So it's really important that we, you, you back the right horse because I think it's going to be a bit wobbly for some of them. And I said, I've said that for a long time. And I, I remember us two having a conversation about making sure you pick the right bridging lender, not just on rate, but on how stable they are and how many funding lines they have, who their funding lines are. They're the questions that people should be asking, not what, how cheap can you get my rate, in my opinion anyway.
0: <laughs> Again, I have no... Uh, I have no qualms with that you know uh, what what is it they say never question the cost of a shovel when you're digging for gold
1: yeah exactly exactly that it's bridging bridging funding can go quickly because it is it's the most expensive and therefore the most risky part of the the process Uh, because people price price risk and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, we've seen some lenders already pull out. We're, I think we're going to see more, um, and I think some customers are going to fall foul of the way the market is going at the moment. So make sure you don't over leverage. That's my thing. Don't over leverage.
0: We can roll with that for for an episode title actually. So don't be surprised if that's yeah. the episode title. Oh, what I would say, Mark, is um, let's if we can just do. Uh, so a very quick summary of that. So yeah, uh, yeah. Apologies. It might all sound doom and gloom, but we're being realistic here. It's you know talking from our experiences, trying to help you know those listening to the show uh, how to you know help themselves move forward. But just in summary, um, pound fall, effectively falling off a cliff might recover slightly by the time this episode comes out. But in effect, what that is going to do is it's going to make uh, FDI foreign direct investment cheaper. So, if people coming in, looking at UK housing from abroad, our market is now incredibly more attractive than it was, say, 12 months ago. Regardless of what goes on, we're politically stable as a country it, in, when you look at history. So, that's always advantageous as well. Yes, the Chancellor and so forth, new government, have made a set of tax cuts on paper. Well, hey, but in effect, that's going to stimulate demand without looking really at the supply side. So. As, you know as, as vote winning as these things may or may not be price is still going to go up anyway so that's going to happen uh, what else i think that's probably about it for this episode uh, any final words of wisdom for this month at all i about? think
1: i could keep going um there's there's a there's a lot more to say and uh, when we first started this episode i said there's throughout history there's always been ups and downs the Since 2008, we've seen a lot going on still. Like I said, Brexit, um, COVID, everything like that. And everybody was, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. We will ride any storm because that's the way economics works. It goes up, it goes down. Some people lose out, some people don't. We live in a capitalist society. We're not a communist utopian world. It, It doesn't happen like that. There will be opportunities for people. and. These are the times in the hard times when people make money. It's easy to make money when it's good, but it's easier to make a lot of money when times are hard. So for me, invest wisely. Don't over-leverage. Be sensible. Remember, property is a long-term game. You can make a quick, easy bit of money every now and again in property, But over the long term, if you invest sensibly, invariably you'll do pretty well. So think about it, talk to wealth managers. I always say talk to wealth managers because I think getting set up with the correct structure in the background is important because at the end of the day, people don't do property because it's a hobby and they like bricks. They do it to make money. So make sure you speak to a wealth manager to get everything set up properly. It's really important
0: amen to that great place to finish the episode Mark thank you very much Uh, for people that want to find out more about Mark and War Financial links are in the show notes, sign up for the newsletter highly recommend it, loads of great content in there as well and uh, well, I'll catch up with you Mark in a few weeks time yeah thank you very much Rob